What's up, ladies and gentlemen of YouTube, Boogie to the 988, coming at you live once again through the power of the Big Stack Podcast. You are listening to the Big Stack Podcast, episode number, oh god, I forgot, four. Episode five. Of, episode five. Episode number five. Is this number five? Because we have three episodes now oh, available god. on the iTunes, right? How many is available on iTunes? Uh, four. And uh, then, oh, they're all four available on iTunes. They should then, all be available on iTunes. And right if now. you, if a lot of people have been asking to hear it on Spotify, we are available on Spotify as well. Don't forget, we're available on the SoundCloud. And if you want easy access to all of this stuff, you can check out our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash The Big Stack Podcast. Also, glad to say we now have a vanity URL at YouTube, um, and you can find us at YouTube.com/slash C. I don't know what's a C stand for. C cool. cool. Okay, cool. cool. C cool. uh the big stack podcast. Joined as usual with Jacob and Ellis. And this week is our very first guest, the one, the only professor from Tularian Community College. Though I think we'll refer to him as the professor. What would we I want to call you Brian? Hey, listen, let's we can be we can be on first name basis here. You can just call me the. The all right. <laughs> And if if you're unfamiliar with uh, the Tulane Community College channel, it is the largest, absolute largest Magic the Gathering uh, channel out there. It puts the official Magic the Gathering channel to shame by, like, I think by 100,000 subscribers or so or more. Um, Dude averages like 35, 55, 65,000 views per upload dedicated towards Magic the Gathering uh, and products. Well, you describe your channel. Prof, what, what what do you say about your own channel? Well, uh, I think you covered it. We're all things. I don't know why I'm saying we. It literally is just me. Uh, but I'm all things Magic the Gathering, and I'm best known for product reviews. So if you still are old-fashioned and play with paper Magic cards as opposed mm. to those newfangled e-cards, digital cards on Arena, uh, then you probably want things like card sleeves or deck boxes. And basically, if it's for sale at your local game store, I have bought it and tested it and filmed a review with it. And so you can save your money and watch me uh, show off the product from different angles, do some stress tests on it, tell you about it. I usually play with it for about two months before doing the, the video, give or take. And so uh, I give a grade, but of course the thing is just really what works for you as a player. And that's what I'm best known for is the product reviews, but I also have deck decks and sometimes comedy skits and other things like that on the channel but so I, do, I, I do like the comedy sketches gathering i do like the comedy sketches whenever you do your um card reveals they're always yes. goofy and silly and like sometimes cringy right like i think the episode i was in i cringed when when i watched it but i'm afraid that i am uh of that old-fashioned comedy type where i do enjoy that just intentional cringy it's so good so a lot of people are like oh you you made it cringy and i'm like thank you and I do know you, I was going for that because I think that's funny. You dabbled with other card games a little bit. Like, obviously, you've talked about Pokemon quite a bit. Uh, you talked about like the Pokemon Binding, of, Binding of Isaac board game. You talked a little yeah. bit about you made a, uh, a a show or you made an episode about uh, oh, what's the, 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 the game with the strands? The other Richard Garfield game recently. What's it called again? Keyforge. Keyforge, right. Yeah, you made a oh. tutorial to Keyforge. So it's yep. not exclusively magic content, but I do know. How you feel about Hearthstone? <laughs> oh God! Well, I, I, I'm, you know, Hearthstone just isn't for me, but that's just because I like, you know, card games. Ooh, oh. biting criticism. So here's here's something that uh, 
when me and the professor did a, uh, we did a tournament uh, using funding by the folks over the Wizards Coast. We raised about $10,000 for St. Jude. Um, and he flew in to guest appear at that event, and we hung out for a little while. And while he was here, I made him play Hearthstone and recorded it. And I have never released that to the world because of how much he hated it. <laughs> I, said, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. If you like Hearthstone, that's, that's great. But, oh boy, is it not for me. It is, it is a really casual card game. Like, that's the thing. And that's what I was originally drawn to it. But when they would do weird stuff with Hearthstone, what, like, you can't, you remember the old Magic the Gathering uh, Microprose game, right? Yeah, that one was excellent. But I remember anything by Microprose was great. Master oh, of course. Master Brian, anyone? Or, they also made Master of Magic, right? Like, that was, like, the... they did a Master of Magic. I think they did, like, a Birth of the Federation right. Star Trek game, too. I miss Microprose. But they had a lot of random effects. They had a subset of celestial cards, I think is what they called them, and they're like mm -hmm. the Aswan Jaguar, which had like random effects and random this something you could only do in a digital CCG, right? And so that's right. what Hearthstone started to do. They did a lot of those cool effects, and then they did them in such annoying ways, like with Jabberwocky and oh, Shutterwock, oh, Shutterwock, yeah, just such such annoying bad examples. Like eventually, that just it got too far into that direction. And it was not close enough to an actual card game. Ellis, how are you doing this week, man? Playing any <laughs> video games? I'm doing good, yeah. Uh, I'm mostly been playing MTG Arena. Oh, yeah. I've been playing a lot of Arena, man. I, uh, yeah. I've i actually started playing Standard Arena. Uh, what, are yeah. playing in, what are you playing on Arena? Are you drafting or are you, you, you uh, I do or? a lot of drafts because um, it's hard for me to make myself go down to my LGS recently. Uh but I get to draft at home in my pajamas, and that's great. I have a blast doing that. <laughs> uh, but I'm playing some standard. I'm having a hard time not building gate mana bases for just all of my decks, every single one of them. I absolutely love Gates of Blaze. That card is incredible. This card is really um, good. I, I like this limited format. It's a lot more evenly spread than uh, than the last Ravnica set was. Last one, we had mostly just sort of like Boros, Demir, and then everybody else was way down here. And that was particularly slanted on MPG Arena because you're drafting against bots. So when you're at a table of actual humans, if everybody knows Boros is the best deck and everybody tries to cannibalize it, nobody's going to have a good Boros deck. It doesn't really work out that way on Arena, and that's kind of a shame. And it's a lot more confusing drafting against a bot. It's harder to read signals and understand sort of like what's going on. Yeah, Rakdos is a lot. Uh, I, I built a constructed Rakdos deck um, using... Oh, the, 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 the juggler, the ones that's like juggling skulls, allows you to draw a card, discard a card, draw a card. Um, and then if you d pay her spectacle cost, you can dis discard your hand and draw three cards. And then, mm -hmm. like, there's, like, a hidden third mode that I didn't realize till the first time I played it with an empty hand. But if you play her as your only card, you just draw a card because you can't discard anything. Sure. And it doesn't say if you don't discard a card, draw a card. And mm -hmm. so you run that, and then the three casting cost three, two dude that says when something dies, draw a card and lose a life. And you're yep. drawing so many cards, and then light the light the stage. Is that the the one red instance? Like spectacle cost one red, exile that, two I cards. I love that card so that card is much. Absurd, man. It's it's my favorite card. In That's what red right should be doing. I will warn you for those of you who are used to this podcast. We are going to talk about anthem. I promise you, we will talk about anthem, and we will timestamp when we talk about anthem. <laughs> but as all Magic the Gathering players in this room right now, who've been playing, I've been playing this game for 25 years. The prof, how long you've been playing, prof? Uh, probably about 23. Yeah, and then... But, I mean, I took a giant hiatus in the middle to go to grad school and travel the world and other worthless things, but then I came back to playing cards indoors, so, you know. I took a seven-year gap between the Urza block and... 
right the first Ravnica. The first Ravnica is what brought me in. So I have a special place in my heart for Ravnica. First Ravnica right. was amazing. We, we will talk a lot about Magic the Gathering this episode, so you may want to pay special close attention to the timestamps if you're on YouTube. I promise you we will talk about Anthem. Jacob, you've been playing Magic for a decade that I know of, right? Uh, Yeah, uh, Fifth Dawn was the first set that I played in. And Ellis, you've been, been playing since... 35 years, actually. No stops. What? No <laughs> the game, what? Race. started 10 years before Richard Garfield invented the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, That's time travel allows That's you to do that. real commitment, yeah. okay? Time travel lets you do uh, stuff like what that. What was my first set? I'm trying to remember. Probably, I, I played an Onslaught, but I was a very, very young kid, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I just was like, cool dragons! And so that was that was my experience with Magic, but cool dragons was enough to get me into it. That kind of art style keeps me coming back to magic so here's a cool question for you okay so here's what got me into magic i'd heard um i I'd bought a copy of troll and toads catalog slash magazine got shipped in the mail because we ordered like a D book from them and they had a little article about magic the gathering in it and this was uh, at the time antiquities was the latest set yes magic the gathering players tell time by magic sets what year what year was that oh that was 94 that's when antiquities came out oh right. that's right um, but, but Antiquities is the current set. Arabian Nights had mostly sold out, um, and we were just about, we had some unlimited in stores. And I flipped through this magazine, and it had a picture of Blood Moon scanned in, or Bad Moon. You know, all black creatures get plus one, plus oh, one. Oh, Bad Moon, okay. And it had, like, a picture of skeleton, um, drudge skeletons. And okay. I look at the two cards, and I'm like, well, if you had both these cards out, then that drudge skeleton would be a 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but wow, this art is cool, and the idea behind this is cool. And I went down to the only gaming store within a 35-mile radius, and I they had an unlimited starter deck that they called the Store Deck. And you could trade cards out of it one for one. So if there was a time walk in there, someone could put a swamp in there, and <laughs> and but I paid $10 for that. <laughs> And uh, I still got a bunch of unlimited lands and cool shit out of it, right? And then I bought, like, a two packs of uh, uh, Antiquities, and I thought, this is all I'll ever buy. This is, like, $15 of the Magic cards. That's a lot. Came back down with my stipend from the university, like, my mom's, like, allowance. I came back in about $100 of the Magic cards the next time I came in. Now I spend, like, $1,000 every new set because I'm an idiot. Yeah. I used to literally skip lunch to use my lunch money to buy magic cards and I'd be starving after school because I would have breakfast and then it would be at three o'clock, right? And get home at 3.15, 3.20. And I'm just like, I need food, but I have money every day for, you know, every two days, that's another pack. You skip lunch, that's a booster, right? What what brought you into the game, Prof? Like, what's your origin story? This girl, she played magic. Like, I, I mean, I know that's that's very that's very typical. Most guys get into Magic the Gathering to meet girls. Uh, but yeah. I, 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 very common. That's, listen, that's how I got my first girlfriend. And uh, we may not have lasted, but my love of Magic did. Uh, uh, but yeah, it was just basically a ploy to, to, to have a reason to be around this girl. She played. Uh, uh, there was like this little it was it was kind of cool. Our high school uh, had this area that the nerds had taken over. And we just claimed it for for D and D players and Magic players. And you, do you remember there was like a game called uh, Jihad? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what was it? It was like Vampire: The Legacy. Vampire: or, The Masquerade. Vampire: The, the Masquerade. Masquerade. Yeah. And and then there was like a Star Trek: The Next Generation trading card game. And 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 there was maybe about I think total like 
I don't know, it was a while ago, but like 17 to 20 of us. And we had just claimed this cool little like, like area with some cement benches around like a little flower garden thing. And this was for the nerds. And we'd walk around and be like, anyone want to get a game of X? Anyone looking to get a thing? The D and D players be running a little quick campaign at lunch. And, and I just, you know, it was like, she played magic and I was just like, Oh, cool. You know, maybe you could teach me. And, and I got hooked on the game. I liked it a lot, and I sold all my cards when I graduated high school. My original dual lands uh, oh, no. uh, for 10, 10 bucks each, because mm-hmm. as I figured at the time, grown-ups don't play magic. I've kept them in card sleeves even then, in little penny sleeves, and they were in perfect condition. And I was like, I can get $10 each for this volcanic <laughs> island and these under. I get like three underground seas. That's $30. I'm not going to play with cards as a grown-up. And an underground... Serious things in college, like liberal arts. At an unlimited, for those of you who are unaware, an unlimited uh, underground sea is worth like 300 right now with the crash. Like it's 280, 300 in that neighborhood, right? Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. So he gave away a lot. What a I good did, deal. I did the same thing. I sold all of my magic cards back in 2001 because I ended up getting sick and I was done traveling and I was done trying to get on the pro tour and I knew I was never good enough to get on the pro tour. So like, what's the point of playing anyway? If I can't get on the pro tour, what's the point? I want to make, I want to be a millionaire. And I sold like my black Lotus and my moxes and my time walk, my time twister, sister recall, my guardian beasts, and my dual lands, dual lands went for like 20 a pop. The moxes went for like 200 pop. The Lotus went for like 300, and just, I don't know why my, my friend Ricky came over and, uh, he's like, what about all these antiquity cards? I'm like, I don't care. He's like, well, you got like five candelabras of Taunus. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. 20 <laughs> bucks a pop. That's fine. What about these three Mitra's workshops? I don't know, man, like 50 bucks or 20 bucks, whatever. I don't care. I just, I just want rid of it. I just, I, I just want cash in my pocket, my pocket. What a stupid decision. What about you, Jake? What brought you into that game? Uh, I had a best friend who played magic and, uh, we just went to the shop every day. I did the skip in my lunch thing, uh, except I just saved all of that money till the end of the week. And then I did a draft at the end of the week. Nice. Yep. I remember the first uh, I, we did like a, a eighth edition draft. I think I can't remember. Uh, I just know this because Wrath of God was in the set and I opened my pack. All right. And uh, I, I love goblins. I will always gravitate towards red cards, especially if they're goblins. And uh, there was a red goblin card or a foil wrath of God. And I picked first picked this goblin and passed it <laughs> to the guy next to me. And he looked at me and said, Hey man, are you sure about this? And I was like, yeah, have you read this goblin? He's great. And he's like, all right, man, if, as long as you're happy, I just want to make sure you're happy. And I was happy and I lost Good. that draft, but I had my goblin card. So it's fine. And Ellis, I'm so glad you were happy. Ellis, I think I remember you walking into the magic shop, but what got you into the game? Uh, my dad took me to some, I don't know, like nerd shop that his buddy owned that was above a sushi joint we were going to. And I was just sort of like wandering on the store while he and his friend caught up. And I found a box of, uh, it was a starter deck for portal. So those are the oldest cards that I owned. And I believe I sold them all for, uh, probably about 10 bucks. It cost 10 bucks to buy the thing. So I sold it for $10 and I got a great deal there. Oh yeah. Those cards are not worth anything. Um, it's not like it was Third Kingdom or anything, right? You know, no, no, no. It wasn't Portal Three Kingdoms. It was just Portal back when they had the weird like symbols next to the power and toughness. 
Oh yeah, the that was sword so and weird. The shield and stuff. Yeah. yeah, Portal was supposed to be like their way of teaching new players to play the game and why? Because I don't know, like you know how I learned to play the game was from the basic set from Unlimited, right? Just why? Why don't I they understand? They made it more complicated too. Like they ended up overthinking it. And so they're like, well, like, like, there you go. But the sword and the shield and they're like, oh, OK, so you got you, you got two numbers here. And, and so we got to make it so that players know which one's the attack and the defense. We'll add a little symbol. You see a sword, you know, that's attack. You see a shield, you know, that's defense. But then the whole it's just they did that to every teeny little square centimeter of the card. And and it just ended up being like, oh, my goodness, you can't parse this anymore. Yeah, one of the, I had a hard time understanding it. My young brain. More understandable. One of the many failed attempts to bring new players into the game when the game sells itself. Like, you don't need to... I mean, it's nice that they have some... The arena's bringing in a lot of new players. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I've, I played in a pre-release recently, and I was asking people, like, have you played Arena? And about one out of three people said, oh, I played it. Yeah, it's all right. I prefer paper. And that, the the second out of three would say, uh, yeah, yeah, I actually started on Arena and I'm here tonight mm-hmm. because this is my first paper event. I just wanted to see what the community was like, you know. And then another third was like, I don't care about that crap. I just play paper, right? But at least everybody had dabbled with it. Most of everybody had tried it. But a good one, one out of three people at my local event was there because they had tried Arena and wanted to try the actual game. I'm just glad it provides a, a, a tutorial finally after all these years because the most like can you imagine trying to tell someone who want who doesn't know how to play how to learn how to play on like Magic Online? It's impossible. Like, how impossible? Yeah, I know how to play Magic and I can't play on Magic Online. Oh yeah. <laughs> but like Arena, it's like oh you can say oh yeah it's free unlike Magic Online which is ten bucks for some reason. Uh, it's free. Sign up. There's a tutorial. You can just throw, turn it off after that, but it'll, it'll take you through it and then go down to your card shop and get some cards. But there you go. You got a little tutorial on there. That'll help you out. And I, I do. I like Arena has, like Ella said earlier, I just like playing naked. I don't want to have to show up to my show. Like, hey, this, well, hang on. That's not what I said. That's what you should have said because I know you ain't wearing pajamas, man. I've been to your house. I've never been to your house. The point <laughs> that I'm making is playing naked is great. Am I wrong? I mean, no, you're I mean, not wrong. You know, like even it's why we do all this stuff. I mean, I'm not even wearing pants right now. It's just you know from the the waist up for the yeah. purpose of the podcast. Oh yeah. Well, I always wondered about that because you always you're a snappy dresser, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you don't. It, you know, the camera just only goes so low. So yeah. For those of you who listen to audio version of 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 the podcast and never met the professor before, the, I, every time I've ever seen this man, he was in a nice button down, nice and iron pressed with a nice professionally no, it's not, tied tie. It's not iron. It was when I saw it in person. I have never. It wasn't though. That's was the it? thing. I've never ironed anything, literally once. I do not take my stuff into the dry cleaners. I do not own an iron. This is thrift store merchandise. This jacket was eight dollars at a thrift store. So it so wasn't like passed down to you from your dead grandfather, like uh, report of the week. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> okay, good. Because I did notice it actually fits you, unlike Report of the Week. So, right. But well, it, I assumed you took it off of a dead history professor. That's kind of like you know how it got to the thrift store. Don't oh, insult him. It was a lit professor. Come on. <laughs> right. A history professor actually has more purpose. But for those of you who don't know your story, I can make that joke. I'm allowed. Just by the way, I'm allowed <laughs> to make those kind of jokes because I was a lit professor. So it's okay. You guys can't make them but I can make them. Got enough. 
a, so, a former lit professor. So you were so, so you were teaching lit okay. on a, a university campus in well community college community college at San Francisco of all yep. cities, right? Well, I wasn't working in the city because oh. they were not hiring. So I taught. I was living in the city and I was teaching outside the city. I taught in Oakland. I taught in uh, 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 Palo Alto. That was a commute. Uh, I taught all around town, uh, but uh, I never could get hired uh, in the city proper. What made you decide to create a Magic the Gathering channel? Like, what what made you set down and create your first video? That's always fascinating. I wanted people to know which were the best card sleeves. It was going to be a one of. I was obsessed with keeping my cards because I really did. I'm not like people sometimes think I'm joking. I really kept my magic cards in penny sleeves in high school because I wanted them to stay in perfect condition. And when I came back to magic, I was no different. And I found that like even sleeved cards, some of them were really crappy. They'd let dirt and particles in the top, which would create little, little scrapes, tiny little rubs on the top. I hated that. And I bought every type of card sleeve that there was times two and tested them all out and would talk everyone's ear off about which are the better ones and what purposes. And well, I started double sleeving and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, when you, you make a post to MTG Salvation or Reddit, it disappears. And I wanted there to be a kind of permanent fixture of like consumer reports of here are the most common card sleeves on the market currently and here is why these are good these are bad these are in between and and stuff and it was a one-time thing and then someone said hey can you do that for deck boxes and i was like yes i can and then it was like play mats yeah and then it was just like and did you know you could wash those well let me show you and 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 then it was portfolios and binders and three ring three uh, uh three ring binders and it just and then it was everything then it just reached a point where it's like all right if it exists i have to review it for magic so it what turns out is machine washable. Yeah. Play mats are machine washable. If it's, Which it's deck box neoprene, is machine washable? It's cloth and neoprene. Put it in permanent press. Uh, uh, you put a little bit of, of just regular color safe laundry detergent in. I actually recommend doing it with some, uh, uh, you know, other stuff load in the, the, the wash. Uh, you can put it on a low dry, but the best thing is just to take it out, lay it flat. That's the key thing because it can become wrinkled uh, uh, and you want it to drip dry. Uh, a flat like on a line or something like that and so if you ever got like some ketchup or whatever big gulp you know, you're th- build your thunder muscle all over it uh the- thunder muscle thunder muscle <laughs> what am i the only one who drinks thunder muscle do you remember that old the old you know was like an old flash file what was that called the, the Thunder Muscle the, was actually what it was called. The increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margot was was Thunder Muscle. Oh, okay. increasingly poor decisions. That's a good show. That's on Netflix still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can wash your play mats. It's, it's fascinating to know that it's your OCD basically <laughs> that yeah. that started your YouTube, your wildly successful YouTube career. Well, I mean, clearly you know exactly what you're players. talking about. You've done this research. Yeah, yeah. So you were that guy when I would buy like some sleeves at um, at my local gaming store. You'd be the guy who would, like sitting near the register and roll your eyes and go, "Oh my god, I can't believe he bought Dragon Shields." Are you gonna buy KCD? Dragon Shields, Dragon Shields. I still recommend Dragon Shields. They're probably the best sleeve on the market currently. That's what I recommended back then. So I, I don't. You're wrong. I would <laughs> well, what, okay. Well, what if I bought? What if I bought Ultra Pro sleeves back then? Oh yeah. Oh, I, Ultra Pro, I once called the McDonald's of card sleeves. <laughs> I have bought so oh, much stuff because of out. your stupid videos too. Like I have a grimoire to keep my my cube in, and all nice. my, my all my cube cards are sleeved in in, in Dragon Shield, but not yep. double sleeved. 
You have that. Sleeve. You have the double sleeve. It no. protects them. I you... bought a uh, a four binder based on your recommendation. Oh, those are great. Yeah. yeah. I actually uh, the one thing I don't think that you mentioned is that they're quite sharp. It literally <laughs> cut my hand open when I oh, pulled wow. it out of the package. I, I don't know that I encountered that in my testing. I'm afraid I did. Maybe not I got an extra sharp my version. hand open on the binder, but I'm sorry to hear that happen. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's still the best binder I've ever had. <laughs> it is. It is interesting that. It's, so you also do unboxings on your channel. I know a lot of people used to love my unboxings when I uploaded them to my channel. You only do about one per new set. Yeah, and I don't do. It's too got a really much cool them, structure. Tell them. Yeah. Tell them your structure because it's really fascinating what you do. Oh, I, I do a uh, thing called the Booster Box game. So I actually am a big advocate. I mean, listen, if you like opening packs for fun, that's great. But if you're not drafting with those packs, the truth is, is you are very unlikely to get the cards that you need enough of them to you know build a deck for constructed and a lot of times i would just hear people constantly say hey which 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 booster box should i buy because i want to go down and play friday night magic standard and it's like listen you buy that hundred dollar booster box but you're not even going to get a mono red deck out of it even with trades and stuff uh, uh, or it'd be highly unlikely and take a lot of work with trades it's just not designed for that. And so I wanted to illustrate it. So I created the booster box game, which is I'm going to spend a hundred bucks, which is what they cost on average uh, 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 on a booster box, open it up. And for all the cards that are worth uh, uh, two bucks or more, uh, I'm going to add up the tally and I'm going to sell them and I really sell them. And I'm going to see if I can get a hundred dollars in cards from my hundred dollar box. And if I do, I'll buy another box and repeat the process and see how many times I can go. But eventually you end up with like a box with like 40 bucks worth of cards in it. And it's always just like a nice way to illustrate, uh, uh, hey, look, you're, this isn't a, you, you spent 100 bucks on this, but you're not even getting 100 bucks worth of cards. You spent 100 bucks on the singles you need to build the decks that you want to play or go draft or if you have fun. And again, like, listen, if you're someone who just like, hey, man, I like to spend 20 bucks on packs and sit down and it's fun. What are you harping on that? that I'm not. I'm not. Do that. It's just for someone who's like, hey, I really want to get my deck together for Friday Night Magic. I want to spend 100 Don't do it on a box. It's not designed to give you the cards you need to build that deck. Right. It's not good monetary value. But yeah, it might be yeah good that's the thing. I'm not ever against you. If you have fun, you do you. You know, go have fun. The magic's a game. Go have fun. Yeah, whenever, but, you know, it's not that it's just you're better off going down to your local game store and buying the singles that you need. You want to go get those singles. Whenever, you're going to get a lot more bang for your buck just buying the singles when it, nine times out of ten. Whenever I crack a box on Twitch or YouTube or elsewhere, I always say, let me crack a box so you don't have to. You get the joy right. of watching me waste my money on these lottery gamble, lottery boxes. Because they are. They are loot boxes. I mean, they are the original loot box, right? Like, let's just be honest. The original Skinnerware, right. yeah. Yeah, the, yes. good, the good news is you can... Um, you can actually buy the singles you want directly from a friend or from somebody else or from a gaming store. And that's yeah. always the best way to play this game. But it is designed to just one more pack, just one more crap, but just one more pack of crack. So one more little high. Ooh, look at this. And it's very interesting that Richard Garfield spent most of the rest of like, I mean, I don't have the whole list of every single, the guy's a genius. He's made a million games, but most of these, his returns to card games seem to have been attempts to never let that happen again. I've yep. heard him speak out against, he doesn't like, like how much money people have to spend just to sit down and play Netrunner that he did next was a living card game. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then um, even going all the way forward to like Keyforge, where you just buy a deck complete and there's no buying singles and, and sure you buy more packs or decks with Keyforge, which is very addictive, but I can just buy one 
package of Keyforge and have a deck to play with forever if I'm satisfied. Right. Yeah, even Artifact, may it rest in peace, was designed to, even though you can buy singles, to keep the cost uh, under a certain amount. It, it was always yeah. very cheap. I bought an Artifact deck that I owned, I think, maybe three cards for out of 45. Uh, cost me three bucks to buy the entire deck. Yeah. And that was, well, was still fairly at its peak. Went up in smoke, didn't it? Oh, my God. Ooh, Recently, so they were at Forbes for having less than 1,500 players. Oof. Yep, down it, from I think sixty thousand at uh, release or sixty six thousand. Yeah, it was and a stillbirth. Hundred more than Hex has. <laughs> and what's, what's, Whoops. what's really interesting about um, Artifact is that it had all this negative press when it went live. If you remember that about the monetization, it made like the front page of Reddit. So I think a lot of people who would have given Artifact a chance didn't because they heard that bad news. And then like steen and valve have always been very very quick to respond to negative criticism so mm. they had that stuff fixed within four hours of that going live on reddit didn't matter most people never heard about the fixes the free ways to plays the the free ways to draft and 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 the, the fact that they added like a, a grind to it so you could earn more product and then it got even more favorable as it went that was the biggest blow to it i think but the second is you want to talk about complicated richard garfield Ooh. if he's left unchecked will go completely insane. Like, it's impossible yeah. to understand that man's designs it, some of the times. Um, yeah, Richard Garfield is like if Professor Xavier decided instead of equal rights for mutants, he wanted to devote his life to just making <laughs> increasingly more complex games. It's it's like that's literally what you're dealing with that level of intellect here. And, and like, hats off to him. He's, I'm a you know, he's a hero of mine, but the guy is a staggering genius and he needs to always make sure there's some, some, some dum-dums like me in the room going, wait, what, what? Right. right. Can we, can we take that down a level there, sir? But he's like, look, man, I can make a card game that plays just like Defense of the Ancients or Dota, I should, I should call it. And there's three <laughs> lanes and you have to control all three lanes at once. And there's a, and there's random minions that show up and it's going to be easy to watch, even though you can't fit it all on one screen. What? Richard, man, calm. Like, why was nobody in the room to be like, Richard, calm down, dude. Could you turn it back a little bit? I, look, I loved that game. That game is great. It is incredibly complicated and exhausting to play. And impossible to watch. And grind thirty games of, of artifact like I came with magic. Yeah. I'll fall asleep. Yeah. I'll pass out. It's too much. And it's impossible to watch. And that's it's a shame, but that matters so much in this age of of influencers, of Twitch, of streaming, of all this kind of coverage. He also, if you ever dabbled with any of his like social games, he's insanely good at those. Like Hive Mind. Hive Mind is so good. Fifty hours of Hive Mind at this point. It's so good. I can't get enough of his social games, or even like if some of his little one sh one shoot or one shot games. Like shot. Guillotine was fascinating. Um, what was the Tokyo game? Like the monsters fighting Tokyo. monsters. Oh yeah, yeah. If you yeah. if you edited, I still have that on my shelf. That's a great one. If you edit the deck, because there's a lot of just like bad dead cards in there. But if you edit the deck, because he's a big fan of just like very narrow cards sometimes, and so you'd have like a very a lot of narrow narrow cards in 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 uh, the Tokyo game. But if you edited that deck, it's just fun. It's just a good game. Robo Rally, that's another one. Robo Rally, yeah. absurdly complicated, and it, nobody's done that either. So what was interesting about Robo Rally for the listeners who don't know? is you played a robot inside of a rally. Surprise, surprise. And there was other robots, and you would program your turn based on the cards you were dealt. So you'd be dealt, like, let's say, eight cards, and then you would program five of them in a direct order. The problem is, 
you also didn't know what the people around you or even maybe necessarily what the board itself was going to do. So you might program forward, 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 left, turn left, forward, forward to get to the flag that you need to get to. The problem is before you even uh, execute your first round in your program, someone might bump you over one. So now you go forward, forward into a grinder and get destroyed. And it was such a complicated game and it was so impossible but it was funny like it was one of the very few comedy because you would never do what you thought you were going to do and so sometimes it was just best to just spin in a circle and see who bumps you where and i don't know it's a great game man yep, yeah yeah but it's complicated 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 stuff cool have you ever met uh richard garfield i i, I can't know I've, I've never met richard garfield but i hear I know people. This is me. I know people who have met Richard Garfield. I absolutely oh, right, know right. several people who have met Richard Garfield, and they all tell me that he's really, really nice. Do you know what his That's favorite funny. magic card is still to this day? What? What? Charizard. That is, he's still. That that also shows a certain level of like he's on his own plane of existence because Shaharzard is his favorite magic. The Gathering. And for those of you who don't know, that is a game, it is a card that very much mimics uh, the Arabian Nights, uh, what is it, 40 Days and 40 Nights or whatever? Long yeah, story, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the legend uh, of it is uh, Sherazad was uh, due to be betrothed to the emperor or the king, and, 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 and he would marry a woman, have sex with her, and then brutally murder her um, when he was bored with her. And so when she, it was her turn to marry this dude, she's like, look, but if I will, let me tell you a story first. And then they get to the end of the story and um, he's like, well, how does it end? And she's like, well, you'll have to keep me alive another day to find out. Right. And and so what this card does, it mimics that in the within the confines of magic. So you stop the game you're currently playing to play a second a game. game of magic, which could you, I mean, you have four Charizards in your deck. You might end up playing a new sub game, a sub game of a sub game of a sub game of a sub. Well, they banned right. it in tournaments immediately, right? Yeah, um, it's 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 banned in every single format. You can't even play it in Commander. Yeah. Uh, that you can't play it in Vintage. You can't play it. It's it's just ridiculous. It is banned everywhere. Uh, amazingly, it's also a, a fortune. Uh, if if you wanted to buy it, probably just as it's like just a collector's piece through intrinsic value or mm -hmm. something. But yeah, that's his favorite magic card i do still retain one sherazad and so really? i'd love to get that signed by richard one day i that's, didn't know that was his favorite card goal. yeah that's yeah, weird stuff that's a good goal and you know yeah, I, and, and speaking of old cards i looked up for you you said you gave away those candelabras and i just want to let you know so you don't feel bad that they're only worth 800 dollars each now oh, so oh. bad because oh. they're only dollars each so I, I, you know i got like 20 bucks to pop for them <laughs> it's it's so interesting because when i came back to the game I met my friend Ricky, who bought the majority of those cards from me, and he was getting out of the game. And so he took the folder that had most of my Arabian Nights and Antiquities cards in it to Star City Games, like, uh, event, and then sold it to the dealer. And I'm like, how much do you sell that folder for? And he goes, well, well keep in mind, I bought it off you for about 200 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, most of that stuff out of there. And he goes, but there's a lot of stuff in there I added, too. I made, like, five grand. And I'm like, nice. and now it's been 10 years. Yeah. So how much money did he lose? <laughs> Never sell your magic cards. That's what we've learned Anybody here today. Anybody watching this right now who played like in high school and, and hasn't played since and thinks maybe mom or dad still has your old collection in the garage, because that's the only story. That's the story that you keep hearing is like, oh, I think mom still saved those in a box, you know, in the back of the garage. Let me go check. You might just have some of those $800 cards or even just a, a whole stack of those $500 cards is pretty nice little thing to find. 
Yeah, I, I, and you can mail them to P.O. Box at 10738, Fayetteville, Arkansas, 72704. I've actually had fans offer me their magic collections. Like, I have an old magic collection. I'm like, where is it from? They're like, 98. I'm like, okay, you need to take that to a gaming <laughs> store and have them price it. You need to price it yourself. He's like, I'll just give it to you. No. No. You might be giving me your children's tuition. So, No. <laughs> right? Send me pictures of it. And if it does look like it's all junk, then I'll take it just like something as a gift from a fan, right? But I, we're going to determine if there's value in it first. Well, you should look through it for me once you get it. And if it's worth something, send it back. If you send me a black Lotus, look, I have integrity, dude. But there's only so far that goes. When you send me a twenty thousand dollar card, I'm I'm going to be tempted. That's what I I'm have saying. integrity. I don't have a black lotus. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I only have so much integrity that if you send me a twenty five thousand dollar bill, it's going to test me, son. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't care how bad your kid needs college, so you better do it. But if you played if you played Magic anywhere, say ninety four to two thousand. Oh my God! You could be sitting on a fortune, at least a few months' mortgage. And if you if you are if you play Magic, probably from 2000 to 2010, there's still a chance you have some two, three, four hundred dollar cards in there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Ask ask mom and dad if that box is still in the garage and go check it out. Yeah. And if you played from say 2010 forward, chances are you have a box of garbage. But I can't wait for the YouTube comments. They're all going to be these those horror stories of like, yeah, I threw them out. I threw out my cards from '94. Right. I threw out my cards from '98. What, I had boxes. They got my my mom got mad at me for not cleaning my room, and so as punishment, she threw out my magic cards. Oh no! Time, it was just like it was like twenty bucks worth of cards, so it wasn't like a bad thing, you know, like that bad of a thing. And it's like it was filled with boxes or whatever. Yeah. They would tell me my mom, uh, growing up, like, and I, I say I started playing magic in college, but she's like, you need to stay away from that Dungeons and Dragons. That Dungeons and Dragons is the evil. So immediately, <laughs> I went to find somebody who played Dungeons and Dragons, right? And I got more into GURPS than D and D. But when I came home from college for the summer and I stayed with my mom to help out around the house, I brought my magic cards home, and she saw them, and she's like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's a game I play." And she goes, "Doesn't that game have demons and stuff in it?" And I'm like, Mom, it's 94. Can we not? Can we not care about if there's a demon printed on my card game? And she's just like, Well, you need to get that stuff out of my house. I'm like, Well, I can keep it at a friend's place where I'll I play magic at his place, so I'll just leave it there. And she's like, I don't want that witchcraft in my house, Mom. Mom, it's wizard craft. Say it's a religious game. Look, it's Sarah Angel, Wrath of God. See, there's all the sinners, Wrath of God, that are mm-hmm. all getting blown away. There you go. But there was there go. there was demonic panic for that game in the '90s. I still can't believe it to this day. And so, uh, my, one of my favorite things, I still have a few copies of the common card, Unholy Strength. Unholy Strength originally in Alpha Beta Unlimited had a uh, pentagram behind the guy who's like flexing out. He's like flexing out, and he's got like a pentagram burning behind him and so instead they removed the pentagram but still left the guy flexing out and it looks so weird and it's just a big yellow background with a guy flexing in the corner and, it's and they so... also still called it unholy strength right which so it's just no it's just we took the pentagram out of unholy strength but kept it unholy strength and they made the demons beasts right like number of the beast like that's still close enough Come on. And they yeah. left Sarah Angel was still in the game, which is still iconography, right? Like you're still not supposed to draw angels and stuff unless it's for holy purpose. I don't know, man. It's just so it's so weird how the world has changed. Probably not I'll, for the better. 
I'll never forget. And this is this was this was such a, a funny thing. We were in line for like uh, the I was with my friend and his dad and we were in line to buy not like one of those giant lines, like a regular line at a bookstore to buy like the third Harry Potter book for my friend's kid's sister. Uh, uh, and so we're in line and, and like, you know, my friend's dad is holding the Harry Potter book and this woman walks up to him and she goes, you know, those books promote Satanism, right? And my, i never forget it. My friend's dad looks at her without even a blink. And he just goes, good. <laughs> Hail Satan. <laughs> this book is great. Hail Satan. Uh, yeah, why, why? Man, it's so weird. And then, like, I went to the Mortal Kombat 11 reveal. And it's just, like, scorpion bursting out of hell, punching people's eyeballs out of their socket into their mouse, hitting people in the head with their own... Uh, hitting them, hitting people in the crotch with their own skulls. Like, why is that a oh, thing so you can Mortal do? it's Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it's Mortal Kombat, yeah. right? No, that sounds like Mortal Kombat. And nobody cares. I'm glad some things don't change. Uh, some people do care. Oh, yeah, but those, like... people on the internet, they care a lot. Well, what they care about is they're afraid that Scarlet might accidentally show cleavage in that game. That's what they care about. But if Scarlet is eviscerated and has her intestines ripped out, or she pulls somebody's blood out and turns it into a scythe and then cuts them in half, those same people don't seem to care. But if she accidentally wasn't wearing what she's wearing and accidentally showed a little cleavage in this game, they would lose their minds, which is insane to me. It I've, is odd what people choose to care about. Yeah, violence is, you know, scary. And and sex is not scary. Sex is great. So when you get mad about sex, that's weird. When you're mad about violence, I'm like, oh, I kind of get that. Yeah, that's scary. Like, I don't want to die. Everybody's, that reminds me of dying. I don't want to die. Right? Magic has really gone kind of in that direction, too, where I think they finally embrace the fact that they're kind of a kid's game. So they've really scaled down the art to be more technically beautiful and less like necessarily gory or less necessarily sexualized. Um, and Not less gory. Go look through some of those well, Rakdos and, yeah. and and, and uh, Golgari cards. I, I think literally in this set, there's a troll eating someone's gallbladder. Uh, right, well, I guess that is still technically less gory right. than previous. One. Well, think about like the Innist Return to Innistrad block where we have like the uh, the shirtless va male vampires covered in blood, like licking blood off of each other's chests. Or there's the uh, the card. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be from the um, position, uh, the point of view of the victim getting cannibalized. Right? That and one's so creepy. I know it's that one of my favorites. So creepy. It's I think so no, good. Magic's got lots of. I love Magic: The Gathering art, and and there's a whole debate between like old art and new art and a lot of people like to hurl this idea that the only reason people like me and probably you boogie really like some of the old art is just a nostalgia factor and that if you look at it technically like you're correct to say that new art being made today is is really talented and technically gifted mm -hmm. and we have such amazing artists doing this artwork and then you look back at like you know some of these old 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 arts and 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 it maybe looks goofy to some and and you and me look at it and we're like oh i love that card i love that art and and they might point out it's not as technically gifted but i don't think it's just nostalgia i think I, that I think so it was imaginative it was colorful it was evocative of 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 emotion and idea and and it maybe it wasn't as technically gifted but i don't think that's the only quality to art is just technical prowess and i i think that there's room for both and i like that I think they are starting to give a little more freedom to the artists uh, in some of the newer pieces. There's a lot of great art in this new set, and there's a lot of great art from Fallen Empires, and and it's great. You know, I, I really like magic art. They say that if uh, you know, like if I, I think that if cards were just text, 
the game would not be the same. If Absolutely we not. Away all the art, and we're just dealing with the rules text. Well, it, it was so much. The art is so important, and it, it's what you know. When I was on my hiatus, all I thought about was, was the card art. Yep, and, Jacob. And less than what the cards well, did. Uh, to to speak to what you were saying, um, I think that Magic went through a period where they wanted all of the art to feel like it all came from exactly the same place. Mm. So so the art direction, everything was beautiful, but it kind of felt homogenous. Everything looked very similar, and that wasn't the case in older sets. You would get cards that were on the same plane, but they looked wildly different, right. and it made them interesting and memorable. Mm. Right, right. And I, I think that, that, that both have their points like it's fair to yes. say hey look like like i remember i think it was fallen empires where you'd have like elvish warrior and one of them the elf he has like glowing blue skin and 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 yellow hair and then in the other one it looks more like like a, a lord of the rings elf with mm. with you know more human you know uh, uh skin tones and just pointed ears and it's like wait those are supposed to be the same like like world and plane and they look like wildly different because yeah. there was no coordination between them right and so that's good for them to to have like art direction that says okay on ravnica here's what goblins look like but on mirrodin here's what goblins look like like goblins have like a species look on these planes but i do still feel it's important to give the artists artistic freedom to then take that information and and go a little you know creative right. with it. so here's yeah, so here's my little rant on that so i do think you're right when it comes to stuff like Phil Foglio, um, his art was very unique, very cartoony and goofy, and it looked like a comic book a lot of the times. So I yeah, loved his art. yeah, nostalgia is probably he's probably not technically what you technically very talented. He's Just, an award winning artist. Right. He's a famous comic book illustrator. Right, but know? maybe I, that doesn't fit the world of magic. Right, like that's not the art direction they want to take anymore. And I'm okay with that. But Anson okay. Maddox and Melissa Benson, Anson did this horrifically just detailed group some stuff. Yeah. Melissa Benson did some of the most beautiful watercolors I've ever seen in my life. Shiv and Dragon, to this day, they still print that uh, card, and and I wish it still had the exact same art because it's gorgeous. The the art Melissa did that was technically beautiful and tech and just gorgeous. And there's no reason those artists shouldn't be allowed to paint for Magic today. You could give them art direction. And when, yeah. you, when it comes to somebody like Rebecca uh, Rebecca Gay, as I believe is it, it is, is, it is Rebecca Gay. Gay. Rebecca Gay, when her art is otherworldly. Right, I saw a squirrel token designed by her the other day that mm -hmm. uh, used what is it, the parallax or the like the the you know the 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 the, the spiral style, and so the the tail was spiraled perfectly mathematically. Oh, yeah, that's Ter Therese Nielsen's squirrel token. Oh, is that Therese Nielsen? Okay, Therese She's Nielsen. Another again. one. Another. Right. I mean, it's so right. much talent. But and yes. so they did go back to form with at least a few cards in Ramdega. There is a black spell that says black and two or black and one sacrifice two creatures, draw three cards, and the art on that is. Just just bizarre. It looks like old school magical. Yeah. I don't so know. We're getting it back. We're getting it back. I'm very happy. And so the fact that they're starting to sneak stuff like that and people are taking notice and we're not just um, happy with it. We're celebrating. We're glad. Like this card. Wow, this card stands out. That's what made it interesting is that Melissa Benson's art stood out. Phil Foglio's art stood out. Anson Maddox's Living Wall, for those of you who have never seen it, 
Living Wall is supposed to be an artifact that's alive. So he created just a big grayish mat of flesh with like eyeballs in it and teeth in it and a fetus dead in the center. And it's kind of impressionist. So in that small magic card art, you wouldn't notice the fetus at first. Someone had to point it out to you. And then once they did, you would never not notice this fetus in this living wall. And, and you're like, why did this get put on a card? How is this? But what better way to exemplify what a living wall is? And a lot of sets, Theros specifically, just look like the same artist drawing uh, the same plane over and over and over again. Looks like screenshots from a video game. And that is not interesting, right? What is interesting is this is Therese Nielsen's take on Ravnica. Mm-hmm. This is Anson Maddox's take on Ravnica. Uh, this is John Avon's take on what an island would be in Zendikar. And mm-hmm. wow. And that's it, it, those little statements, right? Especially when you're doing a, a mythic card that's going to see tournament play. Something, you know, like some of my favorite art is on miserable bad cards. And some of my favorite cards have miserable art. But mm-hmm. I, I will him to Turok, which remains my favorite card to this day. To play, never have played on me. But um, the three, the wolf art on that one is incredible. It's in totally nineties. Yeah, so totally goofy. 90s. I love yeah, it's it. Such a goofy art. Just love that how that that wolf howling the hymn to Turok and yeah. causing people to discard spells. And it's just I don't know, man. So yeah, I really feel like this Ravnica got some of that mojo back. And I really hope yeah. whoever is in charge of art over there at Wizards of the Coast right now. I hope you hear this, and I hope you hear me saying congratulations. You're doing a great job. Great job. And I know great a job. lot of people out there do balk at the idea that we went into a, a less violent, less sex see less adult themes and i i honestly don't care i want the game to be good and i want the art to be good yeah right. i don't care yeah. if the themes are uh, lorwin is one of my favorite sets it's yeah, such a cool set yeah. time. and it's we might be beautiful. going back there soon we might yeah. be going back there yeah, but that's, i don't know if i want to do that but i uh, you know what we're starting Maybe. to see some little hints we're starting to just see like the little little hints that that might be signposts saying Return to Lorwyn is in the works, and uh, you know the best thing about Return to Lorwyn is not the fairy tale setting, not the uh, by day Mother Goose by night Brothers Grimm transition, but the fact that there are no bloody humans on Lorwyn, and Amen. so modern humans will not get anything from that entire set. Which they'll is still, they'll great. still find a way to work something into the sideboard. They started playing Knight of Bottomlings, therefore there are humans. Ah, for those deck. for those of you who, who are still listening who haven't played a lot of Magic, uh, Lorwyn was them going to almost storybook fantasy with giants and goofy-looking goblins and, and goblins that throw fish at your head and just like a, kind of a child's version Knight of Lord of the fell. Rings. And then, night, then fell, night fell, and it all went to hell. And they literally have a card of a evil tree folk drinking the blood of an elf and the flavor text is just like oh there's nothing better on a cold shadow more night than than you know a a a, a drought of elf you know's hot blood you mm-hmm. know to keep keep you warm and it's like literally just got this screaming elf being you know sucked dry by a a a, a leafless tree folk and it's like yeah that's some pretty dark stuff that's it, some pretty it started pretty as disney and ended brothers grim right yep. it was yep. such a cool concept and I why we can't do that again i don't know might? yeah i really hope might. we do i hope we do one I, last rant that i have and i don't know i don't know too much about the truth of this but i'm curious because i know that both uh, professor, especially you guys are, are more knowledgeable in this kind of thing than me. When it comes to magic art, a lot of old art was 
painted. It was mm -hmm. oil on canvas. It was uh, acrylic. It, it was whatever. And these days, there's been a huge shift to digital art. And I understand that, you know, technology has vastly improved and a lot of artists work digitally. And I don't want to rain on any of that at all. I think that those artists are just as talented. It's just a different medium. But I do wonder if that shift has more to do with pricing than anything else, because oil on canvas is fucking expensive. It is expensive to commission a painting that is this big and, you know, uses those paints. It takes a week to dry and all of this stuff. So especially when you're trying to then get a good image of it down small. I wonder how much of this kind of shift in art direction was driven by price point. And Have you ever by seen how much an original magic artwork, even from the most recent set, even if a non-amazing card goes for, uh, it's far more lucrative. And I'm pretty sure this is true, that it's far more lucrative for an artist to have a physical painting to sell afterwards because they go for like 10,000 bucks plus. Mm -hmm. Wow. Each and like even even like ones where I, I think it was uh, Ryan Pancos who put up a common and he, he even said like, hey, it's just a common. It was like a vanilla common and it went for like eight thousand dollars. And he was like, I can't believe this. I didn't think anyone would 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 care for for like what's typically a filler card. And everyone's like, but the art's amazing. I, you know, this and that and the bidding was high. Uh, uh, so I, I think that it's actually far more lucrative for them to do the traditional hand and, and paint uh, art, but it has to do with whether or not they can personally, I think it's up to them to get it scanned and sent to wizards in the proper format. And okay. so like, I know guys like Noah Bradley, he actually paints giant oil canvases of his lands. They're huge. If you've ever seen a picture and he has these giant industrial level scanners that he takes sections of and then reassembles the work digitally but that's not something everyone knows how or can you know like have an, a, a setup to do and also a lot of people these days are just learning technically uh uh on digital you know pads and stuff absolutely don't, i don't know how to oil paint or, or they prefer not to and and stuff uh, i don't know that there's an actual demand by by wizards that's a good question uh uh but from what i hear it it comes down to just how that artist works okay Prof, did you that's, ever buy? That's great to hear. I'd love to know that. Do you ever buy an original art piece? No, Do you the, have the original art community has been trying for years to get me to buy an original art piece, and I refuse because even the cheapest ones that are out there are thousands of dollars, and I just can't justify it. I'm like, that is half of a modern deck right there. Uh, uh, you know, so I just can't justify that price. But well, what would you want to own the most? Oh my God. I, you know what I'd like to own the most would be when I started my YouTube channel uh, uh, and I wasn't planning on becoming, you know, an actual business with it and, and everything. I just took the artwork for seventh edition inspiration, which is this, this hand painted uh, 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 thing of this wizard guy reading a book and kind of having an aha moment and going like oh, this. Yeah. And yeah, I love it. And for the first year it was, it took about a year before I hired someone to design a logo and stuff like that for me. And so when I see that art, work even though the card isn't that great i always think of my channel and it's the, the one card and i also think of that too it's like inspiration aha you know yeah. and so i i did put out i did say to a couple of the original art people i said if do you know who has that and a lot of people who own original art they don't even like it to be known that they have it because they get bothered by people trying to buy it off of them so much. Uh, so it's very secretive for in some cases. I remember uh, very yeah. briefly, I went to a Grand Prix. Um, I think one of the very first like Grand Prix and Noah Bradley was there and he had, he did some really great art, the original Sarah Angel, the original Frozen Shade. 
and he signed some cards for me. Um, and no, not the that's that's the Doug, Douglas, no, Douglas Schuler, Douglas Schuler. Yeah, I just looked at it. I don't know why like, I said Noah Bradley, Douglas Schuler. Uh, yeah. Frozen Shade, un, uh, was it Unholy Strength that he did? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think he did, that um, he did uh, the original Sarah Angel, and then he did some like original arts, including like this weird mashup of Sarah Angel wearing go go boots on like a mountaintop with Frozen <laughs> Shades like chasing him. Um, and I went to his booth and like introduced myself. And this is back when I was doing okay with my first small business doing web design. And I'm like, Hey, uh, so you got stuff for someone? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, I'll have one. And it's like, uh, one, which one do you want? I'm like, no, I'll have one of everything. Go ahead and ship block it up. Cause it's only like $15 a print and they were pre matted. And I'm like, this is ludicrous how wow, little yeah. you are charging and you're signing everything. And like this mat, this is, this, this is a limited edition print. And he's like, yeah, 500, I'm printing 500 of these. And this is number 133 and this is 233. And I'm like, well, then they're signed already. Oh my God, I'll have everything. Thank you. Um, and so I spent like 200 bucks and that's all I could spend. And I wanted to spend more because I had a thousand dollars burning in my pocket for that Grand Prix. And, um, I actually, uh, I, I, I'm like, do you have any like original arts? And he goes, well, I do still have a few pieces left. If you contact me and I ended up, I think writing him and he ended up saying like he had a piece for like 500 and I don't mm -hmm. remember which piece it was. I don't remember. I was like, oh, who the hell is paying $500 for one piece of art? <sighs> Do you own any original? Do you own no, any? No. Boogie? I still have all those prints, but no. that's what I think when I went to your place, you had them like they're lit and everything like mm -hmm. in a, in a glass case. And I think I, I, cause I was like very intimidated the first time I went over there and I was just like, Oh my God, he's got the original. That's the, probably <laughs> the original. That's probably the original. And I'm just like, just act cool about it. Just act cool about it. I'm just like, yes. I would have killed. Oh, had, nice. had, <laughs> I knew then what I knew now I would have kept my magic cards. I would have bought the original art. I would have kept all my songs cards i would have you know hindsight right yeah hindsight yeah. what about you what what original art would you want to own the most uh oh that's tough i really like uh the niles ham uh planes mm. the uh the field with kind of the, Is that the, the scottish reason uh, hold on what so I don't know there, what there are uh, there's a set of basics that are based off of actual places in the world uh, I think oh. the forest is in Japan or Korea. Or it's in yes. Korea. Um, and then there's a Scottish Highland Plains. Those are so pretty. Th those are the others. Uh, those are those are pretty. Uh, no, this is just um, a core set planes that they've reprinted a couple of times. I mean, they reprinted it in uh, M19. Uh, it's just a planes art by Niles Ham, And uh, I don't know, for some reason, it really speaks to me. Ellis, what about I'm you? I'm trying to find it. Uh, I would love... Uh, Platinum Angel by Brom, who is my favorite magic artist and is also a writer now. He writes good books. Uh, he does not, unfortunately, make art for magic anymore, but he's responsible for some fairly iconic stuff like Platinum Angel, uh, Gemstone Mine, Mog Fanatic. I'm trying to think of other ones. Majid the Lion and Oath of Ghouls. So those are a little bit less uh, played cards, but I love Platinum Angel just artistically. It's a fine card. Mm -hmm. Uh it's a very unique card, and I do like it for that reason. But man, I would love to own that. I would love Absolutely. to have Anson Maddox's Singer Vampire from Alpha Beta Unlimited. Oh but I, I would, had the pleasure. Go on. Did I? I would hang it. I would hang it sideways because I always felt like the art, the blood is dripping down the face, and it looks like the, we originally should be looking up with the blood dripping down, which is one of the weirdest things about it. I would want to hang it sideways. So you, you have a story about that, Professor? Just, I was just that I had the was. Oh, sorry. I was just assuming oh. he was running really fast and the blood was... Oh, right. oh, that might be, yeah. 
I, I had the pleasure of creeping out some like like twelve year olds who were magic players that had never seen the art, and they reprint Sengir Vampire a lot. And I think it was like M twelve or M thirteen. Sengir Vampire was just an uncommon, and they were going on and on about how they love Sengir Vampire and the art on that is rad and stuff. And I said, yeah, but have you seen the original Sengir Vampire art? And they didn't know. They were like twelve, and they were like. They had no idea there was old art. And so I pulled it up on my phone and they were like, ooh, whoa, that's so freaky. He's like licking a vein of, ah, you know. <laughs> yeah, Anson Maddox art will always be what magic is. I mean, that and Phil Foglio and Melissa Benson will yeah. always be what magic Maddox art is supposed to look to like G to me. Man, Maddox still is. I just saw him at a GP. He's got like, he'll do, he's painted Sengir vampire on play mats, but doing new things and stuff. Like he's still at those GPs. He's not cool. the artist. Um, what There's an alpha beta unlimited artist has some very regrettable opinions on his website. Who is that? Yes. Uh, uh, it, it's the guy who did invoke prejudice. Don't Google him. Do not Google that uh, card either. You shouldn't there. have said it. Now everyone's going to Google it. Yeah. Don't well, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got um, Invoke Prejudice. I will I will say it. Invoke Prejudice has some imagery that is very regrettable. Harold and, McNeil. Yeah. Harold McNeil. That's not the problem. The problem is that the guy has got, you know, super duper level, you know, like, like, like. Conspiracy theory is part of it, too. Right. I, I haven't personally. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, 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 uh, I believe like he got caught a couple times at a GP literally like saying to some kids like, hey, you like that? Check this out. And it's just filled with like, you know, and not not Nazi supermen are our superiors level. Oh, level. my gosh. OK, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like imagery like that, like really like. So when like I mentioned Anson, far out there, when so. I mentioned Anson Maddox original, I was like, man, I hope that's not who that was. No, no, no. <laughs> Someone else. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, man. I guess if you have a card game that lasts for 26 years and has, what, 22,000 unique pieces of art in it, eventually you're yeah, going to. I think that's a pretty good track record. You got one lunatic and Quentin Hoover did Earthbind. And other than that, you're good. Yeah. Earthbind was another art that just to this day, I was like, what am I looking at? Wait. <laughs> I gotta look at it. I gotta look at this. Nobody yeah, else Google it though. You know, feel free to Google. This one's not that offensive. It's just a it's a fairy that has been bound to the ground by okay. uh, you know some okay. sort of no none vine. of none of what Harold McNeil did for the game was was a it's a little weird that the card has clansmen on it and oh stuff. it's very weird uh, that the kid has clans. What I mean is that his private collection that he would show off at GPs it's and on his website and stuff was where you went into that right. that territory of mm -hmm. of some crazy stuff right. uh uh and everything and 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 such but yeah i don't even know if he still has like i i don't know i don't I know, know but i'm glad to see anson maddox is still drawing for the game occasionally i'm yeah, glad to see he's still at gps guy. right yeah whatever happened to melissa and benson like does she still exist i, like, I bought she... a, i bought like so you can go to melissa benson's website and she sells prints and she seriously like, I think it was like $20, $30. And if you give her $20, $30 extra, she'll draw whatever you want in the uh, 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 the border. Oh, wow. The and so I bought a nightmare print. And I said, I love Sheevan Dragon. Can you draw Sheevan Dragon in the border? And she she did. And it's awesome. I've got it hung upstairs. And it's just, it's so cool because she did it. She just took out some pencils and she colored it in and everything. Like, not super professionally like it's it's just a quick sketch but it's still from her and it's rad and it's neat you know like these these 
artists are available to speak to like people who I get asked a lot, like, wow, where'd you get that print? And it's like, just start by Googling their name. Mm -hmm. Most of them have web stores. Many of them have emails and Twitters and they're happy to talk to you. Uh, you know, and if you do go to a GP, sorry, magic fest, if you do go to a magic <laughs> fest at which GPs take place, uh, uh um, mm -hmm. You know, go up to the artists and and say hi. They're they're some of the friendliest, most welcoming people that you'll encounter. Uh, uh, and if Harold McNeil asks if you want to see some of his special artwork, you just say no. Very, very much no. And you say no, thank you. And you you go the opposite direction. You go when, over there. When we started this episode, I knew it was going to be narrow because we knew we were going to talk a lot about magic. But no, we talked about artists you've never heard of and drawing art you've never seen because that's how narrow we wanted to get on this particular episode. No, no, no. Episode. It's not narrow. It's wide. Anybody that is like, I don't want to play card games. That's not something that, I, that I'm into. You like art, right? Just check out Magic the Gathering art. Even if yeah. you never want to play the game, go look at it for a source of amazing fantasy art, sci-fi art, steampunk art. It's got all kinds of stuff. And yep. you can find crazy, amazing, talented, rad artists that you would have never heard of otherwise. That also work outside of the magic space. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're artists as professionals. Scott draws for Hearthstone. I know that everybody here loves that game so much. <laughs> He's a super nice guy, though. I met him I'm at, sure a, he is. at a GP back when they were GPs and not Magic Fest. And hey, and, and if you like Hearthstone, good for you. Good. You, you yeah, go you enjoy what you want to enjoy. You enjoy your good crappy you. crap. When Ben Broad left, I still play Hearthstone every day, by the way. I Ow. hate, yeah. But uh, I just do my dailies, dry my gold, you know, do, a, do the Tavern Brawl each week or whatever. And when Ben Broad left, I was afraid that game would like slow down and stop being as creative and fun. And wow, did it. <laughs> it, got, <Yeah. laughs> it got like they stopped even getting innovative at all. It's just like, here's a gnome. Okay, what's yeah. it do? It's a gnome. It's got bodies on it. Go. I'm like, all right, man, I guess. It's got bodies The on magnetic it. mechanic was the last interesting thing they did, so that was kind of mm. cool. But um, So we, we should talk about video games a little bit here. Professor, do you play any games other than, like, magic card games, D&D? &D, kind of so I'm always behind. Like, like, listen, it's like, do you play video games? Yeah, I play 10-year-old, 20-year-old video games because I'm always – I'm not with it. Like you said, you wanted to talk about <laughs> Anthem and like, I'm so disconnected from Anthem. Like maybe in five years, I'll check it out. Although it's a memorpager, so it'll like, that doesn't work that way. But like, I came to Skyrim late and I loved it. And I came to, you know, like, like uh, uh, Fallout late, but I love it. And like, I'm, I, I've always got like this time delay on me. I just, but it's great because I always, I also bought those games for when they were on special on Steam for right. $8.99 for the collector's edition. You it, know, it's funny uh, when I see the prices that brand new games cost, I'm like, now nah, catch you in five years. <laughs> I got two, I got two things to say about that. Number one, you are a parent. So every parent I've ever known is on that schedule, to be honest yeah. with you. Right. Um, Hey, I can't wait to play this new super Mario game, super Mario brothers three. Right. Um, <laughs> Secondly, how telling is it that the professor knows almost nothing about Anthem, but he knows that it will be dead at least in 10 years when he could ever actually afford to play it because it's a stupid MMO light game that is not going to be successful, unfortunately. So. It's a bummer to me. I, I was watching your, your video, Boogie, uh, 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 talking about it because you said you wanted to talk about it in this podcast. I don't know anything really about it, but I was watching the video and, I was like, and right away I was like, whoa, those graphics look amazing. You said it's like Iron Man. I was like, that's so cool, Iron Man game. And then I saw a little other guy out there with a little name 
name floating above it. And I went, oh no, it's it's MMO. multiplayer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Give me like 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 Fallout New Vegas, but I'm Iron Man and in a jungle or whatever. Right. Like, that sounds awesome. Right. See, that's why. Have somebody tell me I need to fly up and get ten of this or whatever. In five. And come back. I don't want to deal with other people. In five to six years, you need to play some of the really good games that came out this last year, like um, God of War and Spider-Man. Those are great single-player games, man. Like, you want to feel like Spider-Man. The new Spider-Man game will make you feel like Spider-Man, says every journalist and YouTuber for some reason. But it did make me feel like Spider-Man. Well, there you go. You're saying it, too. Yeah, this yeah. this game did make I unironically said it in my video before I knew it was gonna be a meme. <laughs> I did. No, I'm like, man, I really felt like Spider-Man. And then people are like, oh, they kept repeating it in the comments. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, shit. Everyone said it. But it Thanks, did. Tommy. It made me feel like Spider-Man. I was skeeting all over the place, dude. Yeah, uh, what is the last game? Hang on. I don't remember that in the comic. Oh, then you weren't reading Spider-Man. Were, yeah, oh, that's true. I was reading the Japanese bootlegs where you can do whatever you want to with copyright over there. <laughs> He's skeeting all over Donald Duck. It was great. Uh, so, what is the last game you played, Professor? Video game wise. Uh, oh God, MTG Arena does not count. Oh, MTG Arena does not count. No. Oh, the last video game I played is actually the one series that actually makes me buy it uh, uh, when it comes out, which is Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Is the oh, most- it was right. good. Yeah, Pokemon Let's that Go Eevee. a lot of fun. Yeah, I have, I have many opinions on that game. Well, give oh. us give us some opinions on that game. Well, it's it's not a real Pokemon game. No, it is it's not. It's amazing. It's amazing. The graphics, the Pokemon following you, uh, uh, the scenery, the 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 going back to Kanto and stuff. But I was so disappointed that it's it's and it's now it's not a bad. I really loved it, but it's not a real Pokemon game. It's the first console i guess you could say version of an app called pokemon go and mm-hmm. and it's pokemon go on your console and that's fascinating to me that they did that but it was really like let's make a version of of pokemon go that you play on your 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 switch and they did an amazing job with like the the environment and interacting with the pokemon and stuff and i love that cuz that's one of the things i really appreciate but where it fell short is the aspects where like say in the most recent pokemon game sun and moon you know all the more hardcore things like ev training breeding there's no breeding in uh uh, uh let's go pikachu ev uh, and a lot of other aspects of the real, the real Pokemon games are not in Let's Go Eevee. And also it's just the original Pokemon and the Alolan versions. Mm-hmm. And that's really disappointing to me because it's, you forget now that we have like 20,000 Pokemon, how few just 150, maybe plus a couple dozen Amen, are. And it's just like, cool, do you want to be a grass type trainer? You got three different Pokemon to choose from. <laughs> and two of them are poison grass types, you know? And it, it's just like, it's it's like you get to the Elite Four, I remember, and it's like, I'm a dragon type trainer. There's one dragon type in the game. And it's, I've got four of them, you know? <laughs> right. Like, like, like it, it's a lot cooler now where then you go to the dragon trainer or trainer that you face and they've got like five different types of dragon Pokemon that look different and do different things. And, and you can express your own, like a lot of Pokemon, I think, is people expressing their own like self through if I want to be like, I've got only water Pokemon or I've got this style of Pokemon and, and it's it's what reflects me and so like going back to the original 150 it's a little hard where it's like cool so i can choose between two different electric types besides pikachu so if i don't want pikachu i can have a magnet or a ball 
Well, got it. Well, I will say, I will say, let's go, Eevee, let's go, Pikachu did what it was supposed to do correctly, which was baby's first Pokemon. Like all those people yeah. that have been playing Pokemon Go, they weren't ready for Eevee training. They weren't ready for breeding. They weren't for, you know, making a sex slave out of Ditto. They weren't ready for that, but they were ready for throwing Pokeballs at. Uh, the same 150 grass type they've already been catching in the app this whole time, and and so yeah. it's and, and, and I'm sure you, you got kids out there if you want to get with the wild Pokemon. I really found that yeah. disappointing. And I to to some extent I hope that it's just an option moving forward. Like I do like battling wild Pokemon, but I'm hoping capturing is similar. Um, mm-hmm. in, in that I don't like having to weaken and then try to fight them while he's weak. I don't know. I, I want a hybrid system or optional system for the mainstream Pokemon, but there's not been a Nintendo Direct talking about it yet, but we're supposed to get a mainline Switch entry this year that you'll play five years from now, so that'll be exciting. Oh, you will play I, that when it comes out. No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll Pokemon games I'll buy. I'm, I'm at Target the day they come out. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's one I'm of the f- at Target the day they yeah. come out. Pokemon and- games are one of the few things I still will pre-order. Even if it's yep. bad, I'm putting 100 hours into it, so... Yeah, uh, but I, I just hope that we get to see the like, I really liked seeing the Pokemon on the overworld map. So it wasn't a random encounter, which mm-hmm. made going through like caves so much better because you could just walk away from the Zubats. Amen. And, and I don't have to be like every five seconds. Zubat, 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 I hate you, Zubat. So I hope that they, you know, take the things that people liked about this one and add it into the mainline one. Yeah, but keep some of those original systems that the veterans prefer, and let them be options. It's okay. Turn it off. Turn it on. Sure. Let it, you know, like options are great. Uh, we should talk about Anthem because this weekend was the VIP, uh, very important player invite for the demo. Not a very beta. fancy. Yeah, not a demo. How do I become a very important player, Boogie? Yeah, you pre-order. Oh, you have to go ahead and buy that game before you know what it is. That way you get to try it out and see if you mm-hmm. like it. Okay. Or you can do what I do, which is pay $5 a month for EA Access on PC or Xbox, and then you, you can play it that way, too. That was a way to get in. And there will be an open beta in February. Um, I, I don't think either of you guys played in the beta, did you? I watched a lot of footage. Same. And pr- Professor won't for seven years. So uh, <laughs> yeah. long story short... It is, I made a video about it today, so I'll recapture that a little bit. It is exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's a looter shooter. It borrows a little bit from Warframe. It borrows a little bit from Destiny. It borrows a little bit from uh, The Division. It borrows a little bit from all of those games and then wraps it up in a Bioware bundle and just says, let's go. And the javelins are cool. It really makes you feel like Iron Man. Um... And it does. It kind of made me feel like Iron Man flying around and shooting. Of course, Iron Man can fly for more than 22 seconds at a time. So that's, you know, one of the problems. But um, I don't know why your jets are failing every 30 seconds with overheating in that game, but they do. Um, and then it was looter shoot. It was looty shooty. If you like to play Destiny and you like to shoot the same monsters over and over again to get uh, glowy things off the ground that turn out to be loot at the end of the thing, so you can disenchant that loot to get scraps of stuff that you need to make loot you might actually use, this game is for you. Um, the boss fights were fun. I, the one boss fight in the game. Okay. Fun. Bullet spongy, but fun. Um, I really like the abilities, like all the abilities my javelin had. The javelin is what they call the mech suit. I, it felt fast and powerful and and fast paced. The guns were really anemic. It didn't feel like I was doing anything, just making a bar go down a little bit. Like I didn't feel impact or anything. And they, they didn't make the bars go down near as much as my abilities did, especially my ultimate, obviously, but 
So it felt like I was relying more on my abilities than my gun, but maybe I just had a weak gun for my level. I don't know. No, I think that's how the game is supposed to play. I think it's supposed to be, I'm going to use a lot of abilities at the bad guys, and then if I mess up my rotation, or if there's like, uh, everything's on cooldown, I need to shoot my gun for a few seconds. Right. Yeah, it's definitely not as rotate, like, when you say rotation, a lot of people are going to think World of Warcraft, where I'm going one three five three three two one three five three one two two. It's not necessarily that. You're just doing one two three four, and there's going to be a little bit of that downtime in between them uh but most abilities That's refresh within 30 to them? 30 is to 60 seconds do it between them? yeah there's is there a big difference between the different uh cyberspace wizards that fly through the air yeah so there's four yes. different javelins um and they each have their own specialties they're like an offensive one that does like ninja abilities right and then there's the one they give you in the demo um when you start the demo and it's kind of balanced and then there's like a very defensive one is meant to be taunty and tanky and stuff so there's like four different classes right and then you can specialize your classes based on the items that you've picked up so you might choose for the balance class you might choose the toxic darts or you might choose the beam ability or you might choose this grenade or the frost grenade or you might choose this shield over that shield um and then you you combine your guns with that to get a lot of customizations to build a loadout that you can't change once you're inside a mission you're stuck with it throughout the mission but um you could have several different loadouts for each javelin and okay so there's a lot of variety in it when the game works it's fun it doesn't work but when it did, it was good. Um, if you weren't staring at a loading screen for an hour, if you weren't uh, loading all the time because you had to go in and out of little areas, if you weren't getting the internal server connection bug, if you weren't getting kicked out of your party or kicked out of your zone or thrown back to the entry screen, when those things weren't happening, and they always were, it was okay. Okay. Uh, was it so- playable when those things weren't happening in, in terms of like... You know, there's there's those two categories of bugs of I can't play the game, I'm stuck on a loading screen, it's broken or, or whatever, and then I'm in the game world, but I'm clipping into the floor, things don't function the way that they're supposed to. A lot of people reported rubber banding, and the rubber banding was a real issue for a lot of people, but that's still server-side for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my bullets went where my bullets were supposed to go, and monsters went where they were supposed to go. The AI okay. was terrible. The AI just would stand there sometimes or focus somebody else when I was shooting them in the head. It didn't matter. And somebody told me it was because there was a taunt mechanic and I don't know if that's why but sometimes I would just shoot the same five monsters in the head until they died and they would never turn to face me for some reason were you saying something Um, yeah well that's what I wanted to talk about was um, Ellis was asking about the different abilities that the javelins have they Mm -hmm. are quite different um beyond just the the ranger like being able to pick like here's the direction I want my damage to go the colossus does have a taunt ability Okay, cool. And pulls aggro on everything around. He also has like um, an AOE uh, like health buff that he does. So he's like meant to be a tank. He has a big old shield that he can hold out in front of him and revive down javelins. So that if he's if he's uh, doing that, you and the person you're reviving don't get shot. Whereas if anyone else goes to revive that javelin, somebody might shoot at you and down you while you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, like, they, all of them have a very, a pretty clear role. I will say most of them are just kind of do a lot of damage over here mm. in this spot with the a few variations here and there. Right. Okay. The but old- it is highly customizable in, in that you get to, like, uh, pick what abilities you, you have. Mm-hmm. Like, like, different abilities will drop that have stats as well. So it's not just... Well, I these are the the abilities my class has, and then I pick the stats for my gun. It's it all has ability modifiers. 
So my overall consensus, I think maybe the overall consensus for all of us, but my overall feeling for it is if it doesn't turn out to be, because almost all the bugs are server-side issues, right? The infinite loading screen, there was at least one bug that I saw during my playthrough where the cutscene just failed to function, and that wouldn't be server-side, that's client-side. So there's mm -hmm. issues like that. You fixed the server problems, you have a slightly above-average looty-shooty game where you grind on the same monsters over and over and over again to get slightly better gear. And if that appeals to you and the servers work, you will have a slightly above-average game that will probably be ruined by microtransactions. Actually, I, I want to talk about that for a second because th that was one of the other things that I wanted to bring up. Um, the way that they have talked about this game and specifically how they said they wanted it to work is that you will buy the game and then all of the things that you will pay real money for are purely cosmetic, including all of the story DLC stuff that comes out later. Right. They said right. they don't want to lock any of that behind a paywall. The only thing that you will ever have to pay money for, and even then you don't have to pay the money for, is cosmetic stuff. Right. It will have its I hope they keep effect the word on, on that. And when it, if, if, it, if they do stick to that, like in the demo, like shaders in Destiny 2, you had to like pay to open loot boxes to get shaders, right? Uh, you got every shade in the rainbow, uh, a full-on active color wheel in the customization series. So you want to set your colors and stuff like that. What it looks like you will pay for is like, I want a helmet that kind of looks like this. And I want legs that don't look like a chicken, maybe. I don't know. Because they all look and, like and chicken legs for some reason. They None of them come out of a loot box. Whenever you go to buy something, mm -hmm. you pay money and you get the thing that you paid for. Yeah, and okay, pay, that's and you, an improvement. And you pay the uh, premium currency, which I don't know. You might be able to grind the premium currency in some so way within unclear. the game. It's unclear, but hopefully, like, I mean, Red Dead Redemption 2 allows you to sort of grind it. So maybe you would sort of grind it here, too, hopefully. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that one. But, I, I, you know, the game looks fine from what i've seen it looks like it's a kind of game that i do like and it looks like a fine version of that and man do i really want to support the give us 60 dollars and then we'll just you yep. get a game and yeah. then that's yeah. it i want to support that yeah. so much the demo told me that i will buy this i might buy it 30 days after it comes out once the servers are stable and that's what i would recommend to most people wait till the servers are stable before you buy but it should yeah. be a fun experience. And the problem with that, this kind of game is the largest part of the player base will also be gone after 30 days because the casuals will come in, jump in, play, and leave. And then you'll just be left with the hardcore players. So if you're not a hardcore player, you need to play early, but then the servers won't be stable. So a lot of us non-hardcore people are just kind of shit out of luck, I guess. Professor O always wondered, as a person who spends so much money playing Magic the Gathering, how much would you say you spend on a brand new set of cards? When a set like the latest Ravnica block comes out, how much would you say you said in this last block, non-business related necessarily, right? Okay, I was going to ask because, so the thing is, is that I have, it's, well, it's, it's a business now, so I have to spend right. the money. Um, personally, I, uh, I don't buy a boost. I buy a booster box for every set to do the booster box game, mm -hmm. but that's, a business expense. I would not be doing that uh, otherwise. What I do is I personally sign up for all six pre-releases, even if I can't attend them all. I love, I've got a giant library of, of, of unused pre-release kits. And if you were over, if you guys were at my house right now and, and stuff, I, I might say, hey, do you guys want to like do a pre-release? And I'll just be like, I got some Almond Cat. I got some whatever. I got some <laughs> Shadows over Innistrad and, and, and I'll toss them out and we each open up a pre-release kit and stuff. So I always consider that a great investment is I just sign up for all six pre-releases uh, at my LGS. And then uh, I maybe attend like two of them 
<laughs> you know, maybe right. four if, right. if, if I've got a babysitter, uh, you know, beyond that, it's uh, really just purchasing uh, singles. And then if there's any in, like, cause again, I have to buy every product that comes out. Of course. Like, uh, uh, so when the commander comes out, I have to buy all five of them to test them or four of them. Now they've gone down to four. I have to buy all four of them to test them out. And I'm happy to have those cards. I've got a great commander library, you know, uh, but I wouldn't personally be buying all four. I'd probably be picking one up a year sort mm -hmm. of thing. I think you're asking this question to gauge just what am I spending versus you were talking about like six. Right, right, right. Them. I spend more than 60 bucks per set. I would definitely say I spend way more than 60 Right, so you and I are used to spending about every three months from Magic. I will buy a case, and then it's a business expense. I, 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 will, I won't do that. I, I feel like that's a big, a, a poor use of my money. Oh, it's a huge, it's a huge waste of my money. money. I will spend what you waste on a case, Boogie, <laughs> on actual good cards. Like, I will buy cards <laughs> I can play with in Modern or that soup up my Commander decks as opposed to you just getting a bunch of jank. Well, but, you know, you do I, you, Boogie. No, I buy the case, number one, at cost for my my local gaming store because I have money invested in that store. Secondly, um, not only do I pay cost for it, but it's a tax write-off because I'm opening it all on stream. And number three... It's a tax write-off for a YouTuber. Right. And then number three, very important... It's a tax write-off because I'm opening them all on stream. I talked to my tax guy, okay? Damn it, he said I can write them off, okay? And Dave I do. the tax guy. And then uh, number three... Um, I do get donations and subscriptions and stuff when I open them live on stream, so I generally make money from doing it. Would I do that in my... Uh, private life? Nope. I would do exactly what you would do. I would play in every pre-release I could get my hands on. I would get as many pre-release kits as I could, and then I would buy and trade singles, and normally I would buy one box to draft with my friends, and then I, trade I away from I buy so that. many singles. I just picked up a playset of the Lord of Atlantis Judge Foils, which just came out, which is gorgeous art, and it's the only Lord of Atlantis with fixed Oracle text printed on it. It's, <laughs> fanta it's beautiful art. And, and such, oh, I'm so happy to get that. I spend so much money on singles because I'm addicted to building decks. Well, now you're one pack every new set so that every 24 sets I can do a twisted draft with oh, all yeah. different packs. And then I get eight people together and we do that. Oh, that's fun. That's great fun. My torment pack is in Japanese, so that's going to be a challenge for whoever gets that one. Oh, God. Why? That's what the internet's for. Yeah. I, yeah. But at the end of the day, my question is, what I was leading to is knowing that Anthem has an infinite amount of money I could spend on cosmetics if I wanted to. But Star Wars Battlefront 2 from the same company, uh, published by the same company, not made by the same company, wanted me to spend a fortune either to grind a thousand hours, which you and I don't have time for. Nobody in this chat has that kind of time. Or we could spend money to get the cards we needed to unlock certain classes and unlock certain characters and unlock certain abilities in those characters, including higher level versions of those, which we could have either tried to grind for, but we needed the cards for. What do you think about modern gaming? Knowing, knowing that you're the kind of person who will spend a lot of money on your passion. What do you think about modern games and what you've heard about them through my channels and other, other people's channels? Are, 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 does, does Fallout New Vegas count as a modern game? No. I really liked that game. It I was came, good. I played that game for the first time last year, and I, I loved it What? So that came out in, like, 2006. I played it for the first time last year. I, I, I got it when I was sick, and, and I played it because everybody said since I liked Skyrim, I should do it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to like this because I don't usually like, like, you know, like, like zombies and stuff. Not that it was all zombies, but I don't usually like that aesthetic. And I was so addicted to it. Like you wouldn't believe and, and stuff that I went and got the other fallout games and played them. But 
I, I love it so much. It I, came I, out I in two. Like the Witcher last three, year. If you, uh, it came. Like Wait, well, you played the Witcher three? You Wait, that you'll play. I did not play the. I've okay. not played the Witcher. Okay, 3. so or the Witcher anything. I all right, just started three. Is. So this game came out back in 2010, which is a really close to about the time we had. 2010 is modern. The first piece of horse armor DLC, right, roughly right around there. So. Uh, in in ten years, let's talk about how you feel about all the microtransactions that came out this year. But like, when so you finally get caught up, there were micro. Well, I, I mean, like so, like in in Skyrim and and Fallout New Vegas, like you spent money to get extra levels and maps and adventures. Well, those is, are called expansions, and that is not what a that's DLC what is. Okay. Here's what a DLC is. That's so much. Like I was, that was cool in Skyrim. Like, and then it was like, oh, you get on a boat and you go to this other island, and there's all these new quests, and I thought that was pretty cool. It's like. Okay. No, 10, 10, 20 bucks. Here's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're right. That was totally fun. Have you ever played a Call of Duty game or one of those shooty games? Nope. You ever play like any game where you shot a bunch of monsters? I don't like, so I, I'm very sorry to have to admit this, but I am of that hippie dippy generation of guns aren't toys. Uh, so oh, I actually, oh my God. It. That's why I didn't do it. So I, I, I like, I grew up, I wasn't allowed to have toy guns. But you did, you, but you did use guns in New Vegas. Okay. Uh, yes, that was the first so, gun game I've really ever played. Okay, that's good. I, okay, I, I tried to get the laser guns so they didn't look real. So instead, instead of spending a couple of bucks to get some new levels and some new yeah. places to explore and some new stories, imagine if in New Vegas it was $2 to change the reticle of your laser gun to red. Would so that... I would probably spend that, except I'd want it to be green. Oh, and 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 I like what I really want. I kept looking in the game to get like a real like sci-fi looking laser, and too many of them looked like they were like what things would really look like. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want like what they have in Futurama or Star Trek or something. Man, I want to go get. I want to go get my replica uh, Fallout Four laser to show you what he thinks looks like a real laser machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is that is what modern gaming has come down to. The, the latest Call of Duty game will sell you a reticle, a yep. reticle, a red reticle. You can Seems change excessive. the reticle for a, for a dollar, and you can turn it into a smiley face for two dollars. All right, I'm going to admit something here. Mm -hmm. I, this is absolutely true, and this is going to make everyone who is still watching this hate me more than they already do, <laughs> which is probably quite a lot. But this is true. I I love Sims, the Sim games, like Sim City, Sim Earth, Sim Ant, Sim The Sims. They're great. And I was playing The Sims, like I think The Sims Three, and there was an option to spend a couple bucks, and it would add a Prius as an available car to purchase in for your Sim to purchase. And I did that so that I could have a Prius <laughs> in The Sims because I like the smell of my own farts. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, that's going to wrap up this week's podcast, <laughs> starring Boogie, Jacob Ellis, and Cucky Cuckington over there yeah. from... <laughs> basically, basically, that has caused people to not only unsubscribe from my channel, but to unsubscribe from yours as well, Boogie. Thank oh, you for my God. We really appreciate great. it. Our uh, first guest is going to go so well. Oh, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. Professor, if I wanted to find your content online, and specifically, I mentioned meant to mention this personally right at the beginning, but you've got a podcast of your own now. Yes, but mm -hmm. it's on my YouTube channel because I don't know how to monetize like regular. It's on iTunes as well. It's called Dies to Removal, mm -hmm. uh, and it's all Magic the Gathering, myself and my co-host, uh, Pleasant Kenobi, which I believe is a Star Wars reference. I've never seen Star Wars, but I believe He's that's never Star Wars. seen Star Wars. Never seen any of the Star Who Wars. Who is this man? Yes. I hear they're really good, but I hear they're really good. That's I not true. 
I figure when my kid's 13, if you were 10 or whatever, what age, what age do you have to be to watch Star Wars? Like the good ones, not the bad ones. Uh, Episode four, five and six, you can watch them and you can Four, five or six. So when he's six and he wants to watch it, I will watch it with him. But I've just never been interested. But anyway, I, uh, uh, I'm on I'm on YouTube, Tolarian Community College. That's the main hub to find me. If you want to listen to a podcast with myself and uh, Pleasant Kenobi, talk about uh, all things Magic the Gathering. We're on iTunes and Spotify. It's called Dies to Removal. It gets uh, very confrontational also- too. I've noticed it's a good it's a good podcast, boy. But you guys are at each other's throats. I love it. We, I, we, we, we are gentlemen who enjoy the spirit of debate mm-hmm. and discussion and, and reasonable argument uh, uh, about this children's trading card game that we love. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the main place to find me is Tularian Community College on YouTube uh, and any other social media. Crap. Yeah. And uh, if you want to see reviews for board games, you want to see reviews for card games, you want to see reviews for uh, just about every collectible thing in the world or listen to a Magic the Gathering podcast. You ever thought about getting into Magic the Gathering? You want to learn how to get in. Uh, Tolarian Community College is the number one Magic the Gathering content creator in the world. Yeah. Bigger than the actual official channel. I'm very happy that I have more subscribers than Wizards of the Coast. That gives me <laughs> no end of joy. And uh, so, of course, as usual, you can find Ellis and Jacob over there at Big underscore Breakfast on Twitch. They're streaming five nights a week, and I think you'd love what they're creating. If you decide you want to follow me, I am YouTuber Boogie Two Nine Eight, and I'm I don't my my magic content is not as good as Cucky Cuckerton's. I will give you credit for that. I've never owned a video game Prius for five bucks. Was it five bucks? Did you say? I think it was like 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 come on, it was like two bucks. It was like two bucks. I think you and are the problem. <laughs> I, I really, the car options were terrible. And Lord. I really thought that my sim, my character <laughs> should have had a Prius. So, you know, I didn't know you were supposed to RP as your sim. Yeah, that's so I, I made a Sims thing when I was in grad school where I recreated my apartment and the Sim killed himself. Like, I oh, no. And the Sim, like he should have still been eating, but he just gave up on life and he just stopped eating and he stopped using the toilet and just went on the couch and grad school was rough you guys grad school was yeah rough. sim was like fuck this shit oh sorry i'm sorry no that's okay who gives that a fuck about right. that shit hi itunes yeah. um i will say i did play quite a bit of sims growing up uh like, like i said growing up but it's in college and stuff and then when the latest sims came out i did live stream it but then i be, people began to worry about me quite a bit because i played an angry clown who bought a ramshackle nightmare cottage that he then just like destroyed trash everywhere. He would invite neighbors over for parties and then wall them in and watch them suffocate and uh, starve to death and dying in the puddles of their own urine. And uh, people are like, I don't think I want to watch you do anything ever again. And that was when they first got a taste about what an actual sociopath I really am. And I recreate the TARDIS interiors. (laughs) What's <laughs> wrong with you? You're so wholesome. No, no, that's way better. No, no, no. I'm, I'm with the professor here. This is way better. I drove my way Prius better. to my TARDIS. I, I drove my Prius to my job every day and did a good job at sim work and used that money to invest in a house. God, that looked like the TARDIS. Took a while that to get off like the rails. The TARDIS on the inside. <laughs> uh, gotta be, uh, Jacob. So as you, oh, yeah. we do wrap this up with a weird question, professor. And do we have What's a weird question prepared? Yes. Is it sent in by a fan? Is it? Do you have one prepared, J- Jacob, by chance? Uh, I have. I have two. Okay. I have a pretty weird one, and then I have a Magic the Gathering related one. Ooh, and I nice. wanted to do both. Okay. Let's do the weird one first. All right. Yeah. How, oh, how many? Ready. 
how many grains of rice can you fit in your belly button? Now, uh, before everyone answers, I know how many grains of rice I can fit in my belly button. Have you done this? And I'm not gonna tell. I'm not gonna tell you why I know this, but it is four. Long grain or like jasmine rice or boat and rice? What kind of rice are we talking about? The, the ninety-seven cents a pound rice that you get off the bottom shelf of a Walmart. Okay. Look, cooked dude. or uncooked? Yeah, cooked or uncooked. That's uncooked. Important. Uncooked. Uncooked rice. All right. Um, okay. I, you cook it, it gets all mushy. You can get more in there. That's cheating. I was once six hundred pounds, and now I have a bunch of loose skin down there. So I would like to find out, but I'm going to Sam's Club or Costco to get enough rice to find out. Okay, because I can fit enough in there to feed a family of six, dude. It's bad. I literally, I literally am storing a banana in my belly button right now for snack time. Okay, that's how bad it is. So I'm Ellis? gonna say six. I got a deep belly button. You get deep belly button. Yeah, there's a lot of space in there. Weird. I can, like I can fit almost the whole digit of my uh, of my index finger. I can fix six grains of rice in the gap between my two front teeth. What, is, <laughs> what the hell? Look at that, <laughs> Professor. Uh, I, I'm gonna say two because even oh. if I could fit more, I would stop after two. <laughs> That's a, probably a good plan. This is the kind of man that he is. Everyone else fingered our belly buttons a little bit, but he just didn't. Oh, yeah. I was like, hmm. Yeah, Ellis is just digging in there, boy. He wanted to know. <laughs> Reasonable, level-headed, and we're over here uh, putting <laughs> rice in our belly buttons. That was from Seth. Thank you so much, Seth. All right, let's do this, this magic-related question. Um, so this is a, a Jacob original. I came up with this. Last June... This uh, Wizards printed the uh, the J signature spellbook. I don't know if you remember that. They had yep. like blue multiple blast counter spell brainstorm stuff like that. Uh, what's your signature spell? What's in your signature spellbook? Uh, so I'll go first. Uh, mine is Bloodbraid Elf. You can you can name a couple. That's fine. Mine's just Bloodbraid Elf several it's just times. Blood, not even whatever Bloodbraid Elf cascades into. No, yeah. just Bloodbraid Elf several times. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, you got you got some Ellis. Yeah, Trinket Mage, Death Cloud, and Life from the Loam. It says a lot about you as a human being. Him to Turok, mind twist, stupor, oh, no. <laughs> mind rot, and uh, the rack. Those get like like gradually less. That's because they that's because they stopped yeah. printing the obscene ones, and I had to come up with some to fill the deck. Do you remember for the longest time you had mind twists in your cube? And yes. I kept telling you, "Hey, this card is not fun," and you were I, like, "No, it's fine. It's, it's totally fun fine. to me." And then, and then one time I mind twisted you for five on turn one, and you got upset. Yeah, I'm like, this is not fun. But it was fun when I cast it. Look, my very first tournament, Professor, I don't know if I've ever told you the story. My very first tournament, very first actual Matter of the Gathering tournament, mind twist was not on the band or restricted list for the first tournament. Pretty cool. So I walked in with four dark rituals. Four mana vaults and four mind twists. I had to borrow a mind twist from a friend to get four. And then the rest of the deck was Sarah Angels and Singer Vampires because sometimes I would Dark Ritual a Singer Vampire out and just wreck you. And then some Swords to Plowshares and some Tears so I could kill everything you did. And if you managed to keep it in your hand to put it in the play field and managed to get enough land, then I would just kill it and then I would just murder you with a White Knight or a Sarah Angel or a Singer Vampire or a Black Knight. And I just dominated that tournament. But four mind twists, you could dark, turn one Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Mana Vault, Mind Twist your entire hand away. I, I don't have anything either. Let's just top deck. Let's see what happens, right? But. Uh, so, uh, Professor, you have a signature Py spell? Pyroblast, pyro, pyro one red mana, counter, mm -hmm. target, blue spell, 
or destroy target blue permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's nothing feels better as a red player <laughs> countering mm-hmm. the player's spell. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm, I'm counter that. You're on mono red. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm right there with you the re- with the red mage energy. It's mwah. yep. Yep. Fantastic. Absolutely. And it's, um, what is it? Eight copies of Hydroblast or Pyroblast? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's only four legal in Popper. A uh, 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 blue elemental blast and red elemental blast are not technically Popper legal, even though they're commons because they haven't been printed at Common on Magic Online, and so it's just Pyroblast and Hydroblast. Oh, so I know you're so really weird. into Popper, and I was looking I'm online because sure. I figured maybe we would talk about some Popper on the podcast, and uh, I was like, oh, I gotta you know brush up. I haven't checked out that format in a while. Every video I found was yours. <laughs> There's actually <laughs> a, single lot of, one. a lot of content creators. We're having our very first Popper PTQ at GP Los Angeles in, in a month. Right. There, if anyone attends GPs. Just uh, in time for Paragon Drake uh, in the format. Yep. Yep. That's it's, good. it's a great format. Uh, some of the best spells in Magic the Gathering are common. Counterspell, common. Lightning Bolt, common. Delver of Secrets, common. Uh, uh, Gary, Merchant of Asphodel, common. Uh, we and, got some good good stuff. And your Carmen. and your video on the mill advisors from Ravnica, <laughs> I loved that. It was quite 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 the troll deck. I give you credit yes. for that one. Troll decks are fun. Yeah. So if you ever wanted to get into magic on a budget and you don't mind spending ten dollars on a common that's been out of print for fourteen years, you can play Popper. Um, <laughs> but there is a lot of decks that you can put together for like twenty bucks. Yep. yep. Popper's a great way to just build some decks for that format and keep them together forever. And Wizards of the Coast, if you're listening to this, and I know you were not. They are not. If you were, please support Popper. But I know that uh, I know that sometimes you get to talk to those folks over there, Brian, so I know you'll be hyping up Popper as loud and hard as you can, right? Yep, that's pretty much my mission in life. Yep. And for those of you who want to, check out mtgarena.com if you ever wanted to learn to play this wonderful game that we've yeah. been spending the last 90 minutes regaling you with stories of. It's a great way to learn and a great way to play. Any closing statements this week, Jacob Ellis? Well, no, we will just... play MTG Arena with you if you want to hop in the Big Breakfast Discord. We have a channel Absolutely. devoted to that, and we love playing with viewers. Professor, anything we, we missed? You got a closing statement, closing topic, anything we missed? Uh, you know, we had a lot of fun here today on, uh, uh, the big stack podcast, (laughs) but at the end of the day, whether it's Hearthstone or Anthem or some kind of uh, fallout game from apparently not the modern era, which does not make sense to me, uh, whatever it is you love to play in video games or, or paper gaming and board gaming and tabletop, that's really what it's about. Have fun. And, and that's the right game. It's the game that you enjoy to play. He is so wholesome. This is why I'm proud to call this man a friend. I'm so glad that you were our first uh, guest and kind of a role model, honestly. To be honest yes. with you, I wish I could be that wholesome. Look up to the professor. Right. Thank Just you so much for being here. Yeah, we're Thank so glad to so have you. I had a great, great time talking guest. to you. It's an honor to be here. Guys, I hope that you're listening to this on iTunes. If you are, do us a favor and give it a rate. If you listen to it on Spotify, we appreciate it. If you're listening to it on the YouTube channel, hit subscribe on that channel. Drop a like. Check out the links in the description box below here on YouTube. You can check out Tolarian Community College on YouTube. Check out us Patreon. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash thebigstackpodcast. Uh, and you can find us now on YouTube at youtube.com slash C the big stack podcast links to everybody that was on this in the description box below guys. We appreciate you listening. Thanks for watching. We Bye, love you very much. You. Goodbye. Bye. We'll speak with you again very soon. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>